like I, I truly love children, so I, I, I wouldn't want to hurt them. Welcome to the Rex Crim Show, PJ. Hi. I wonder uh, if to the level that you're comfortable, you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. So I'm PJ. I'm 20 years old and I'm a MAP. Um, and uh, that means a minor attracted person. Uh, I'm attracted to young boys between the ages of 1 and 12. I don't know. What else would you like to hear? <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear all about it. I like to start off by just, uh, you know, getting to know what it is that you're comfortable sharing. I respect, uh, you know, the need for discretion uh, in emails uh, back and forth to each other. You know, clearly you you indicated um, that you're not comfortable, you know, uh, disclosing certain aspects. I think PJ is a pseudonym or an alias. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And obviously, you, you, you know, you're not going to be uh, giving us your geolocation or anything like that, <laughs> um, which is understandable because uh, much of this conversation is going to be around stigma and, you know, the um, divergent perspective between popular perceptions of uh, pedophilia and uh, maybe some of the realities that you experience. Um, could I just get clarity on on the preferred terminology that you opt for? Right. So there are quite a few labels or terms that I use to describe myself. One of them is obviously a map, but I also like pedophile or BL, and that means a boy lover. So. Mm -hmm. And so you've alluded to your orientation. Um, it, this is, I think you would uh, agree, a, it sounds like a, an age orientation, and you can d discern. Yes, that's okay. correct. So specifically, um, um, males you're attracted to, and between the ages of 1 to 12 years in age. Yeah, I, I'm non-exclusive, so I can be attracted to older people as well, but it um, doesn't happen quite often. Okay, great. Yeah, these are all points that I was hoping to hit on and you're doing it right off of the uh, <laughs> onset. So you're making my job easy, PJ. Uh, I, I wonder, um, without getting too specific, could you could you share a bit of um, insight uh, as to as to the accent that we're hearing or the general uh, area? You're not in the United States, I think. Yeah, so I, I'm not a native English speaker. So uh, if I you know, struggle to make sentences or make some errors, then um, that's why I'm from Europe. Okay, very good. Europe, uh, that, that, that sounds uh, specific enough. Uh, you sound very clear yeah. and, uh, and I understand you entirely. So I'm, I think we're setting up for an interesting conversation. Thank you. Can you tell um, me about Earlier interviews you'd given, you'd mentioned um, contact with graduate students, researchers, previous uh, involvement on a podcast about minor attracted persons. Right. Uh, that podcast was uh, created by a couple of my friends, um, three people, actually. Uh, two of them were MAPS, and one of them was an ally, and uh, they did quite a few episodes talking about various uh, issues 
related to pedophilia and uh, and and other stuff. Like uh, basically, uh, when I was on as a guest, uh, we talked about Star Wars, and that obviously doesn't have anything to do with pedophilia. So uh, it was quite a diverse uh, podcast in terms of subject matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I've have I, I've helped with uh, various um, studies and uh, uh, research uh, done by uh, uh, these uh, graduate students. And I'm actually in talks with another one right now, so uh, that's going to be coming up for me. We talked about in email, uh, you know, this uh, idea of community uh, activism in in the minor attracted uh, community, which I want to mm-hmm. delve into in more detail. But I'm trying to um, paint a picture for listeners, you know, uh, a little bit more of your circumstances. Could you? I mean, you're you're a person first and foremost, and um, I think you're identifying with this label of a pedophile and minor attracted person or boy lover, as you put it. Um, could you elaborate on and describe what it was like first realizing this um, orientation for yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, I first realized I was attracted to young boys when I was 14. Um, I, uh, I've come across uh, a website that was basically uh, like an image board uh, that uh, people used to, you know, uh, share and upload pictures of uh, children. It was not uh, a pornography website. It was just, uh, you know, um, swim swim uh, swimsuits and shirtless pictures and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so basically, that's when I realized that I was attracted to uh, those children in in the pictures mm-hmm. and that was at the age of uh, 14 so during your adolescence and in puberty yeah correct and and actually uh that's quite common for pedophiles that's one of the uh most well i guess popular or i don't know common uh, age of realization mm-hmm. so um most pedophiles discover that they are attracted to children before they turn 18. Right. And so how did you respond or react to this uh, realization? Um, I mean, is this something that was just natural and, and comfortable for you? Or has there been uh, some discomfort in negotiating this uh, interpersonally? Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with it at first. Um, for me, it was quite a different process. Uh, I was curious about it. I wanted to learn more, so I would um, spend a lot of time reading up on it on Wikipedia and other stuff. Um, so for me, it was it it wasn't really a terrible experience. Uh, it was like, oh, you know, I'm attracted to kids that's it that mm-hmm. it's just part of me mm-hmm. and um 
I wonder, I mean, uh, when I talk to folks who are in, in America and the U.S. specifically, there's, you know, a, a, a significant amount of disdain and it seems like the stigma is uh, even more harsh than other places in the world that maybe are more lenient or tolerant. I, I'm thinking of Europe. I went to grad school in the Netherlands, in fact, uh, and, you know, that's a, a place that often um, celebra- it's celebrated for, you know, their, their, uh, their mm-hmm. social policies and tolerance specifically. Um, can you provide any context about the, the culture where you grew up and where you live? Do you think right. that's played a part? So uh, you mentioned the Netherlands, and I think that's basically um, one of the best places to live as a pedophile because they have all these organizations and uh, the Dutch uh, pedophile community is, is quite large. They have a, a, a website and a chat service called uh, uh, pedophilic.nl. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, so uh, it's quite a lar- large community, but like other parts of uh, Europe are, are not so lucky. Mm-hmm. So basically where I live, it's, it's quite different. There's basically nothing uh, related to uh, non-offending pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Before I inquire about uh, activism and community involvement, can you shed any more light on who PJ is um, as a person? You know, a, a, I'm trying to humanize this voice that we're hearing. I think people are going to be naturally uncomfortable with the subject matter. I mean, um, there is a a, a great deal of. Um, of misunderstandings and, and myths perhaps about uh, orientation versus action and behavior. Um, and so we're trying to just better understand, you know, who PJ is aside from just uh, their sexual orientation. Can you shed any more light on, on, on how you maybe, you know, make your livelihood or generally speaking, um, you know, what you do in your free time? I, I don't want to give out too much, but I'm basically, uh, a university student uh, I um, my hobbies include making uh, digital artworks and basically um, photo manipulation and compositing and uh, yeah I like uh, watching films uh, TV shows and play, uh, playing video games. Okay, right on. So that's pretty much just the the usual things that a university student might might um, might. Yeah, enjoy. exactly. Okay, so I think there's probably some you know the elephant in the room here seems to be this idea of community involvement, activism, organization among pedophiles. You alluded to the um, you know uh, having been on an image board, a website. And, you know, it, while it doesn't sound like explicit forms of child abuse of material or pornography, um, you know, it, there's some, some um, trading of, uh, of benign images, you know, and so there's, there's ambiguity about, you know, how people might feel on this. Can you clarify what, what you mean by activism? Um, help, help us understand what you mean being involved in, in community among minor attracted people, right? So um, basically, I have I have uh, two goals 
that I, I would like to achieve through activism and they're interconnected. Uh, so one of them is uh, decreasing child sexual abuse and the other one is uh, obviously making the world a better place for my attractive people. And uh, uh, for me, activism is about talking to people about my uh, ideas and beliefs and uh, trying to um, trying to make them uh, think and understand that's, uh, that that uh, uh, the stigmatization of pedophiles is uh, harmful for both children and pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate further on that? I, I think um, you know people that aren't familiar with the subject matter are probably conflating the idea of uh, you know child sexual abuse molestation right. uh, with you so, know orientation pedophilia is the sexual attraction to children it uh, it has nothing to do with uh, sexually sexually abusing a child or uh, doing anything it's it's a feeling uh, most child sexual abuse is uh, not committed by pedophiles uh, there's actually two types of uh, child sexual abusers. Uh, the so-called uh, opportunistic and the preferential. So the preferential would be the one who's attracted to uh, children and that, that is uh, part of the reason why, why they're uh, committing child sexual abuse. And the other one uh, is... Uh, like they're just opportunistic. They, uh, they, they abuse children because they can. Mm-hmm. So that's the distinction. And uh, earlier you alluded to the idea of being non-exclusive. So we could go further into distinguishing, you know, um, uh, even even more of a typology of of these. I mean, there's not. It doesn't seem a homogeneous and standard stereotypical. Uh, pedophile per se. It, there's more diversity among um, among orientation, exclusivity. Could you speak a little bit more about that? Right, exactly. So uh, I uh, we use the term AOA uh, to um, specify which ages we're attracted to, uh, and that's short for age of attraction. So. Uh, basically, every pedophile has a different age of attraction, and it's one of the first questions we ask each other to, you know, get to know each other better. Um, and yeah, so there's also which genders we're attracted to. Uh, there are BLs, CLs, and GLs, um, and also the exclusivity. So um, if uh, if a person is not only attracted to children, but uh, other people as well, and they're non-exclusive. And the degree of exclusivity can vary from person to person as well. Mm-hmm. Just clarify on, uh, I think you said BS, GS, CS. What, what are those? BL, GL, and CL. So uh, boy, boy lover, lover, girl lover, child lover, and girl lover. Yeah. I see. Okay. So that ludicates some of this uh, idea of exclusivity and orientation, um, which is diverse and different for you and 
and all other uh, folks identifying as minor attracted. Right. Okay. Well, um, so the, I think the concern that people are, uh, that we need to hit off the, off the top here is that, you know, if, if there's community involvement, uh, organization, I mean, your goals are, are, uh, laud, laudable goals. They're, they're noble ones, um, you know, decreasing the experiences of child sexual abuse, as well as creating a safer place for minor attracted folks. Um, but, what do you say to, to people just to play devil's advocate that call that bogus? And, you know, there's concern of trading in, in material on these websites. Uh, can you, can you, can you share a little bit more about the advocacy that, and, and, um, and, you know, creating awareness that goes on um, and about the moral standards that minor attracted folks have. Right. So, I understand the concerns that some people might have, but my answer to that would be to, uh, I don't know, join a community, I guess, where that doesn't happen because there are places like that. So, for example, I moderate uh, a support group for uh, minor attracted people. And, uh, yeah, that we we don't, we don't even allow... Uh, pictures of children or, of any kind and we take uh, child sexual abuse very seriously mm-hmm. I mean arguably it sounds like you know for say a child lover uh, you know if if, <laughs> if we can divorce you know the idea of, uh, of se- sexuality and, and the idea of contact arguably someone that truly does love <clears throat> uh, you know a youngster or have uh, true love for youth. Um, I, I can't think of another person, arguably, to preserve you know the the well being and safety of those folks. I mean, it sounds right. Exactly. I, I I completely agree with you. Uh, for me, any desire to harm a child is diminished by my desire to protect them from harm. Uh, like I, I truly love children. So I, I I wouldn't want to hurt them at all. Mm-hmm. How do you go about um, establishing <clears throat> those personal rules and those boundaries? Um, how do you set those moral standards? You've talked to, about you know moderating an online chat, um, you know, but earlier you also talked about stumbling across a an image uh, board. So. Clearly, you, you know you're 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 learning. You're a university student that's still uh, developing uh, and, and and building awareness. Um, describe the 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 rules and the moral standards that you set uh, personally. Uh, my moral standard would be uh, if it's harmful, then it's wrong, basically. So um, that's how I decide whether something is wrong. And obviously, uh, child pornography is harmful because uh, viewing it creates more demand. And and that's why, personally, I don't uh, view it or indulge in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But who is to say what is pornography and what is art? Right. It's a tricky question, but uh, generally, I think... um, 
like shirtless pictures of children and not pornography. Mm -hmm. But I, I wonder about, you know, how one would respond to those pictures. Uh, so now, you know, maybe we're getting too personal, but we're talking about, you know, the idea of masturbation and, um, this sort of ties into previous episodes in the Rex Crim show where I, I've spoken to folks who struggle with inseldom or the idea of being involuntarily celibate. Uh, in your case, you're, you know, describing non-exclusivity. So there's potential or, or perhaps uh, um, even a, a vivacious love life that you have with, with an adult partner. Um, can you speak any, any more about that? Do you, you know, how do you um, navigate this? orientation and, and urges or, you know, how do you manage that, that attraction in practice? Right. I think every map uh, has different uh, boundaries and uh, limits of what they're comf comfortable with while masturbating or, or any other way of dealing with their uh, sexuality. Um, uh, you know, and it's it's a gray area mm -hmm. uh with pictures of children obviously like uh i would uh, uh nudist pictures be considered uh you know pornography i mean when if the the time they were taken it wasn't sexual but uh to a pedophile they might be so I guess it's about how you respond to those pictures uh, um, and, you know, any associated behavior of, of those pictures. But then it becomes a little bit more murky in uh, trying to discern, you know, harm. I, I'm just really interested in when you say if it's harmful, it's wrong. But how does one go about discerning where, you know, what is wrong and what is harmful? Um, I realize this is more abstract than... Uh, you know, you, you can only speak to your own experience. But for example... Uh, in, in terms of child sexual abuse material, um, there's clearly harm involved uh, because uh, it's a, a recording of uh, a harmful event done to a child. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, viewing that increases the demand to create more mm -hmm. and that's where the harm comes in i think because like I, I think that any kind of sexual uh, act between adults and children is harmful mm -hmm. so then to murky the waters a little bit uh, further then how do you make sense of um imagery or fantasies that don't involve actual children, uh, but, you know, for example, cartoons and this sort of thing, where does that fall into your... Right. I think cartoons are completely fair play because, because of the reason that they don't involve any real children. Mm -hmm. So there's no opportunity for harm there. Does it become harmful in your mind? Um, you know, earlier you alluded to the idea of viewing material as creating a demand and an appetite for it more. Um, and so I'm wondering how you reconcile this uh, in terms of, you know, cartoons. Right. When, but when you're viewing cartoons, 
uh, or drawings, then you're creating demand for more drawings, uh, which is inherently not harmful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, int very interesting. I mean, I think most uh, the popular perceptions uh, would have you believe that, you know, folks who identify with this label of, of being a pedophile, um, you know, is inherently tied to, you know, behavior abuse. Uh, but actually, what we're hearing is a much more nuanced um, approach. I mean, you're taking one of our, you know, arguably a very high moral standard, if what you're saying is true, which I have, I mean, you have no reason to be dishonest here. If anything, you have more to lose than to gain. So I have every reason to believe that you're, you're the real deal. Um, and so if, if this is accurate, uh, I mean, we need to be arguably hearing from folks who make a concerted effort to not offend, uh, to not have contact with, uh, with youngsters to better explicate ways of, of, fostering that safety absolutely i think uh humanizing non-offending pedophiles is essential to uh creating a better place for everyone can you explain a little bit more of language <clears throat> that you might be privy to in in moderating communities online for example the the difference between offending non-offending contact uh, non-contact or anti-contact um just elaborate a little bit further if you can on on these ideas all right so anti-contact is uh the belief that uh sexual contact between adults and children is harmful uh and therefore should not be acted upon uh and uh pro-contact would be uh, the opposite of that so believing that it is not necessarily harmful inherently, but uh, harm may come from, I don't know, societal attitudes and stuff like that. I'm personally anti-contact, so I believe that uh, it is harmful no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, and non-offending, I think that's a pretty clear statement. It's about legal legality, so... Uh, a non-offending pedophile would be someone who is not not committing a crime. On you know the Rex Crim show, we uh, we really contend with stigma and divergent perspectives, and I can't think of a more germane um, place or or a more pertinent topic than uh, than this. Um, some could say you know that it's offensive, just you know just just being or identifying in this way um, and others might argue that it's a disorder um, um, I wonder if you can share perspective on you know any involvement for example with the justice system or can we merc can we add more nuance by you know indicating whether um, you've had you've had dealings with people that you know, that maybe are pro-contact, which would be of concern, or people that have been involved with the justice system and, and perhaps found uh, ways of, of reforming and rehabilitating themselves. Help us understand this idea of where the line is or ought to be about, you know, criminality and, um, you know, just being an, an authentic 
individual with an orientation that you don't necessarily choose? Right. So first of all, uh, I would just like to clarify that uh, a pro-contact does not necessarily mean that they're offending. Uh, Pro-contact pedophiles can be uh, non-offending. In fact, many of them are. And uh, um, I I just happen to have a philosophical disagreement with them. And uh, yeah, I have been involved with uh, people who have had uh, dealings with the justice system, uh, like uh, ex-offenders. And uh, in most of most of the ones that I've met uh, have, uh, you know, understood that it uh, what they did was wrong, and now they're trying to uh, make that right in some way by uh, advocating for uh, child sexual abuse mm-hmm. prevention. Shed a little bit more light on this philosophical disagreement. Um, obviously, the risk when we're talking about um, you know pro contact, so having you know non sexual contact with youngsters, um, you know, by I, I'm I'm imagining um, you know having having kids on your lap and that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, the risk of harm is certainly higher in cases where there's, you know, pro contact as opposed to no contact. So can you um, better explicate this idea of the philosophical disagreement that you uh, mentioned? I'm not necessarily certain if that's the case. Uh, I would like to um, read up on it, Uh, but I I don't know. I have not read any studies saying that, that, that that's the case. I have heard that um, spending non-sexual contact with children uh, leads to less uh, legitimizing beliefs towards uh, adult child sex. And uh, right, so I, I, I don't know if uh, there's a higher risk involved if if one's a, a pro-contact pedophile, like. Um, they they can have just as many reasons not to offend. For example, being afraid of uh, of punishment. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if you could speak a little bit more about where um, how you see your your particular orientation arriving. Um, you know, where does that taste uh, come from? Um, do you have any insight as to? You know whether this is a, a debate of nature or nurture or a combination of both. Uh, the short answer is I don't know. Uh, the long answer is uh, scientific evidence points towards it being uh, an inborn trait. Um, and there there are studies that links it with uh, um, less white matter in the brain and other uh, biological conditions like uh, pedophiles tend to be um, tend to have a higher chance of being left-handed and short and stuff like that so there are are a lot of biological components that uh, points towards 
uh, it being, you know, innate. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit more detail? Uh, you know, around the age of 14, you started to realize um, this uh, in yourself. Could you share any more about your personal uh, experience in, in arriving at this orientation? Is there, you know, uh, you, you talk about brain matter, you talk about some of the science, uh, about the biological orientation, um, but I'm wondering about any involvement as a youngster yourself uh, that might have impacted your view? Is there anything on the nurture side of things that you can um, explain that, that might have impacted your perspective? Um, well, I was never sexually abused. Um, so I, there, I don't know. So uh, I have heard theories that a traumatic event can kind of trigger pedophilia uh, if they're already inclined to it. Um, for instance, in my case, it could be uh, the divorce of my parents, but I have uh, that's just speculation. I have no mm. clue. Do you lean towards one or the other or a healthy combination of the of the both in terms of nature and nurture? Can you weigh in on uh, I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're you're leaning more towards this being an innate biological function and, and therefore and, you know nature as opposed to nurture. Um, or am I wrong? You're correct. I do think that I was born with it. Uh, I don't know if this traumatic experience theory is correct or has any merit, but uh, uh, it would make sense, I guess. You alluded to studies, and uh, this is something that you're clearly passionate about and, and spending much time uh, reading on. Um, can you share any insights about studies that you found most compelling or um is there areas, uh, is there is there research that you can point to or um, suggest people look into? Yeah, I would recommend uh, the uh, research by James Cantor. He is one of the world's uh, most uh, well-known uh, researchers in, in the topic of pedophilia. Uh, he's, he's the one who uh, discovered the uh, white matter um, thing and and the other uh, biological factors. Uh, he has a presentation on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if you search for James Cantor 2011 uh, presentation or something like that. Uh, he has been in numerous uh, uh, news reports and stuff like that. There's like a five minute uh, video about him as well. Mm -hmm. That's basically a summary of his research. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think James Cantor is Canadian or partly Canadian or some of the research. Yes, I, I I'm think also so, yeah. thinking in preparation of this discussion and con other podcast episodes I'll be having with uh, with minor attracted folks. Uh, I, I've also come across the work of Michael Seto, which is uh, which is another researcher mm -hmm. on this topic, um, also in Canada. Um, I do you have um, an input being you know in somewhere in Europe uh, as to 
you know, the, the prevalence. We talked about this earlier, but is there an indication in your mind where you're seeing people experiencing this more or less, or is it fair to say this is an equally distributed global sort of phenomenon? I do think it, it is a global thing. Like, uh, uh, um, I have experience talking to people from all kinds of places just by being part of the community um, from all continents, basically. I have talked mm-hmm. with pedophiles. One of the things that I'm trying to reconcile or that I really grapple with that I, I wonder if you can shed light on is this idea on the one hand of um, it would seem sexualizing young uh, young youngsters, girls in particular. Um, you know, I'm thinking of movies, um, uh, ad campaigns, um, you know, forever um, making youngsters seem older and, dare I say, sexy. Whereas on the flip side, you know, we seem to have this condemnation and uh, the sort of um, drive or hunger to really punish uh, folks who who are, you know, s- struggling or just experiencing the, the minor attraction, as you put it. So how do you reconcile or make sense of these sort of media contexts um, on the one hand, you know, sexualizing youngsters and on the other condemning those who partake in, in that cultural sort of celebration. Yeah. I think it's a bit hypocritical because, uh, when, when people make children more appealing to, uh, normal people by, um, you know, making them more uh, look like adults, um, by, I don't know, wearing makeup and, and the beauty competitions and, and stuff like that. Uh, that. That's generally not what pedophiles, in my experience, are attracted to. Um, they appreciate the childhood innocence and their beauty um, and their natural uh, state, mm-hmm. so to speak. So when they... Um, make them look more like adults and that's not really what a pedophile uh, likes or is attracted to um, there are exceptions of course but uh, generally it's it's like uh, making them appeal more towards uh, people who are attracted to adults, mm-hmm. I think. You're, you're sort of alluding to, I think, in the States, especially this idea of pageantry, where you're... Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So following up to to this idea, I, I, do you have an opinion um, from a biological or, 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 a, um, or a cultural and societal perspective, you know, as to whether this is becoming more stigmatized or less stigmatized? For example having podcasts and movies and conversations about this topic, is it, is it perhaps creating uh, more situations where folks might become minor attracted or are we just, you know, seeing uh, uh, the prevalence that the, the true prevalence as a result of being able to converse on it that otherwise would have been not talked about? Yeah. I don't think that you can make uh people attracted to children. Uh, I, I think that's a bizarre idea and I don't understand where that that is coming from. 
and that's uh, similar to uh, the arguments against homosexuality um, and media about uh, LGBT people that it makes kids go gay or something. I think that's just uh, stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I guess a more refined way of asking that question is, you know, is, is sexuality evolving with culture and society or would you say it's more static and, and, and constant and there's just always a divergent or sorry, a, a diversity among different orientations? Um, I do think so, yes. Um, I have not seen any evidence pointing towards uh, that pedophilia did not exist uh, in the past. In fact, you know, the Greek situation where they, uh, I don't know, had sexual relationship with uh, young boys and stuff like that. So I I, I don't think it's it's uh, less or more prevalent than, than it was before. It's just that more people are willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Could you elaborate on this idea of stigma and uh, your experiences with it? I mean, uh, for good reason. Um, it seems you know you 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 cl- you clearly don't want to be sharing your identity and and location. Be- What's at stake here? Right. So um, when a pedophile is doxed or uh, it, it 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 becomes known that uh, they're attracted to children, uh, then their life could turn upside down, and they could be uh, reported to uh, the police and uh, you know search their house and stuff like that, and that's a really stressful situation, uh, even if they have done nothing illegal. Uh, I think putting them through that is uh, unnecessary and uh, inhumane in a way. <laughs> so, um, and and just um, stigma in general causes a lot of stress and anxiety for pedophiles. Uh, it's it's something that is hard to deal with for a lot of folks, and. Um, uh, and it can create psychosocial difficulties. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, uh, drawing back to your goal in, in activism here, your goals of wanting to create a safer space for everyone, uh, it seems, you know, having folks, maps, uh, um, you know, that are not stressed and anxious, you know, we, we would seem to want them to be secure and comfortable, you know, to ensure that they have appropriate boundaries, you know, to, to mitigate the, the concern of lapses or, uh, you know, problematic behavior. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think we pretty much agree that uh, people you know, generally abuse other people when they're at the lowest point and have nothing to lose. So uh, that's one of the things that stigma causes, uh, depression, anxiety, and loneliness, um, and that can uh, make it more likely for people to uh, do something harmful, I think, Mm -hmm. like child sexual abuse. 
mm-hmm. or you know harm themselves like uh, committing suicide mm-hmm. are you comfortable sharing is there any anecdotes that come to mind or stories uh, that you can share in, in sort of driving this idea home of of what uh, of what it is like to experience stigma for example you know ha- have you uh, aside from speaking with a complete stranger like myself or or researchers or other uh, members in in um, communities online um, who do you who do you share this with in your personal life uh, I have come out to a couple of people uh, for example my mom uh, and and the few of my friends um, uh, and and they were generally not negative experiences uh, they were uh, quite supportive mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I have heard you know more uh, negative or sad stories uh, where uh, it didn't go so well um, for example if uh, a pedophile is going to therapy and they come out, uh, they, uh, they can be reported de- depending on the laws of the area that they're living in. Like uh, there are lo- lots of uh, uh, countries and areas have mandatory reporting laws when uh, the, th- uh, the therapist thinks that um there's a potential of danger and obviously uh, that's uh, up to their subjective uh, assessment mm-hmm. clearly there's more pressure and and concern you know in de- depending as we mentioned earlier on you know where you're living in the world and what the climate of that culture is like uh you know i think there seems to be this increased focus on risk um and you know concern um, about risk, and with that comes the assessment and evaluation through qu- quantitative and calculable measures. Um, but really, what you and I are talking about is something that's far less tangible. It's much more subjective. Um, earlier, you alluded to the idea of, um, I think you said psychosocial and some of the distress that might come w- with uh, with you know fun- learning interpersonally about oneself, especially when you recognize the, uh, the negative consequences and the potential harm that comes, you know, with, with just being yourself, um, how do you exercise, you know, that distress, uh, if it's something that you've experienced, you know, is there, is there something to be said about therapy in this and, you know, working through this distress? Yeah. A lot of pedophiles, uh, can't afford therapy or don't have access to a safe therapist. So for uh, a huge number of them, uh, it's it's not an option. Uh, and for me, that's the case as well. But there are uh, other options, for example, uh, peer support, uh, talking to other pedophiles, uh, sharing the issues that you're going through, uh, it, it can be very helpful. Can you help to dispel any myths that might be floating around for people? Um, you know, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of popular 
television shows coming out of the UK or the US, like To Catch a Predator, or I think there's one called Pedophile Hunter. Um, help help us understand, you know, what that means to you, and uh, are, are these things that you're familiar with? Yeah, I have heard of them. Uh, I don't know how useful or beneficial they are. Uh, I mean, basically, they're creating a situation where uh, they're posing as a, a young person, uh, and and they uh, arrange a meeting, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. That's like kind of creating a problem instead of solving one. It's reactive instead of preventative. Uh, I think we should focus more on uh, dealing with the issues that uh, might lead to people abusing children Mm -hmm. rather than punishing them. Yeah, it seems to me like, you know, with my background being in criminology and understanding, um, you know, how... how, how how um, societies uh, respond to unwanted behavior, et cetera. It seems to me that, you know, this, uh, this idea of punishing, as you say, is part and parcel to wanting to reinstate the moral majority. You know, it's, it's easy to point the finger and say uh, maps are different or that uh, they're, you know, wrong, that they're another, because it reaffirms for folks uh, who are doing that, you know, that they are on the right side of, of, uh, of, you know, the moral majority, as it were. It seems to me that a more productive conversation is being able to humanize and, you know, realize that we're actually all very much alike. Um, and that, creating a space like this one to have meaningful conversations is what will lend itself to avoiding, you know, abusive situations. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, uh, I think that, uh, humanizing pedophiles and, um, making sure that their, um, mental health is, uh, um, you know, not, in a bad state, uh, is is going to decrease child sexual abuse, somewhat at least. Mm-hmm. How do you keep healthy? Yeah, I um, I just you know talk to pedophiles on the internet. That's basically it. Uh, it does help because I can talk about problems that other people might not understand, and I yeah, they can relate to them in a way that uh, non-pedophiles wouldn't be able to. And, and it's quite helpful mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. You're, you're obviously very selective about who you share your personal uh, experience oh, with. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's something that pedophiles have to deal with constantly. Um, and it's, uh, you know, quite a worry for a lot of people because... You, you don't you never know what uh, you never know if uh, the person you're talking to is telling the, tr- the the truth so it's 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 difficult to um, balance that how much mm-hmm. personal information you want to tell 
uh, and stuff like that. I, I'm wondering about, you know, the idea of an orientation versus a um, disorder. You know, obviously, if we're talking about, you know, pedophilia, this is referring to a uh, a condition that's been, you know, clinically um, categorized within the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the DSM. Whereas, right, if we if we open up the DSM, uh, there's a clear distinction between a pedophilic disorder and uh, a pedophilic sexual orientation or interest. Uh, the former would be um, the psychosocial difficulties that come uh, from pedophilia, but uh, lacking these. Uh, would just mean uh, pedophilic sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but for you, you know, referring to yourself as um, using the term pedophile in itself, it, you know, there's a there's a nuance or dis- something to be distinguished between, you know, the, uh, the 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 clinical observations and the interest versus, you know being one, um, you know, having this, taking on this label or this identity. We seem to be living in a time where, you know, people are uh, more polarized and much of that has to do with their the identity politics. Um, but in your case, when I would assume folks would want to distance themselves from that label, you know, and use a softer term like minor attractive, um, I think you're quite comfortable identifying as a pedophile you know, in its own right. Um, what are your, what yeah, are your thoughts? I, I, I don't think minor attracted uh, person is necessarily a softer term or uh, something to sugarcoat pedophilia. Uh, and that's one of the most prevalent uh, critiques or arguments against it. But it's actually an umbrella term that was created by uh, a child sexual abuse prevention organization, uh, and it it is not synonymous with pedophile. It's uh, it encompasses several different chronophilias uh, related to uh, attraction to minors, namely uh, pedophilia, nepiophilia, hebophilia, and ephibophilia. So it's uh, like. Every pedophile is a map, but not every map is a pedophile situation. Right. So help uh, just unfold all of these terms, mapophilia, hebophilia. You mentioned two others. Yeah. So nepiophilia is the attraction to uh, infants or toddlers. Uh, Some people differentiate between infantophilia, uh, which would be just uh, the attraction to infants because, you know, uh, infants are significantly different than, well, I guess not significantly, but you know, quite a bit different from uh, toddlers. Um, uh, pedophilia is the uh, attraction to prepubescent children, so uh, children who have not reached uh, puberty. Hebophilia is uh, the attraction to pubescent children, so uh, minors who are going through puberty, and uh, 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 ephibophilia is the attraction to post-pubescent minors. Mm-hmm. 
So even more, you know, discernment among, you know, referring back to the category, the age category, where do these terms come from? Are they something that you would find within the DSM or are they something that you've um, come across in your circles? Um, I think only uh, pedophilia would be in the DSM. Uh, I'm not sure, maybe even hebophilia, um, but uh, uh, the other to I'm, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, these are um, scientifically uh, accepted and used terms. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Michael Sito or uh, even used them. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one who coined the term chronophilia, uh, which is the attraction uh, related to age. Um, like he proposed the idea of uh, sexuality being uh, a spectrum with two axes, uh, one of them being uh, gender and the other age. Mm. And so now, having distinguished these uh, different terms, um, and you know, earlier you disclosed your own orientation. Which is the most appropriate? Uh, you know what, what? What do you think now that we're getting technical? Is is the most appropriate? Is still pedophile or pedophilia? Pedophilia the most appropriate uh, in describing your um, your um, interest? Uh, yeah, I would say I'm uh, uh, predominantly a pedophile and a nepiophile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this is all just so fascinating and and interesting and. Um, you know, I think uh, I wonder what you know advice you can give to folks who are who are interested in learning more or perhaps struggling. And um, I mean, in your work as an advocate, you know, this is an opportunity for you to plug uh, and to share this message of of um, of abstinence from from contact. Uh, you know, what what more is there to, for you to say? What can you plug? Yeah, I would recommend. Uh joining a map community if you're a map who's struggling with uh, their feelings uh, I, I moderate uh, a chat called map support club uh, and that uh, that's uh, map support dot club if you're uh, typing that in your browser uh, we also have a non-map channel uh, so if you're just interested in learning more about uh, pedophiles and maps and uh, stuff like that, then that would be, uh, um, you know, the the uh, option for you. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of other uh, podcasts that I've come across in preparing for our chat. And I'm uh, wondering if you're familiar at all with the Prevention Podcast. Yeah, I, I, I am. Uh, I have listened to quite a few episodes myself. Um, it's created by, uh, an organization that, uh, I'm, that I have a very high opinion of, and I think they're doing wonderful work. I, uh, I think I'll link, uh, link that in the show notes. Um, and I wonder if there's anything else you think is important to include for, there was, Another podcast that was created by a, f- a few maps uh, called Maps IRL. Um, it used to be on YouTube, but it has been taken down. 
you can find it in various places if you look for it on Google. Uh, it's pretty much my favorite uh, map-related media, and it's uh, it's fascinating, and I was always so excited when a new episode come, came out. Um, That's called Maps IRL. Yeah. In real life. Oh, I see. In real life. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to see if we can uh, find these and, and sh- put those, uh, check out the show notes uh, um, for that map support.club prevention podcast maps uh, in real life. Well, I, um, I, I wonder what more there is to be said. Do you have anything? Uh, I mean, we've covered so much in such little time. I, I'm uh, racking my brain trying to, to make sense of all this. And I wonder if there's uh, things that you think we should have covered, what what else do you think is important for folks interested in this topic to to know about? Oh, I should have prepared for this. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, an interesting topic that uh, rarely gets talked about is the issue of uh, autopedophilia, uh, which is when someone is uh, sexually turned on by the thought of imagining oneself as a child. Uh, And in my experience, a lot of pedophiles also have autopedophilia, which is quite interesting, I think. So that the idea of auto, you're, you're saying auto pedophilia is in, uh, as an autobiography, like you're imagining yeah. yourself as a youngster and, and what it would be like uh, to relive that. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of something I've heard on, on other, uh, that I've seen in preparing uh, and, and listened to in, in the prevention podcast, this idea of arrested development. Um, and it, you know, it, it refers back to what I was asking you about to nature and nurture specifically. I, I've heard other maps uh, describe, you know, um, an instance in their life maybe that has stunted their their uh, their development. Their, it's arrested their development um, and thereby explaining, you know, why it is that their orientation might be um, focused in, in a particular area. What What is your take on this idea of arrested development? Right. Actually, one of... Uh, James Cantor's findings was uh, that a lot of pedophiles seem to have uh, suffered head trauma. Uh, and for me, I can recall uh, an uh, event where I fell off the bike and hit my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, so that, that, could, that could be true, but uh, I don't know if uh, if that's truly the case, mm-hmm. it's just speculation. Like, um, it could be the one a glass of water I drank one morning that caused my pedophilia. <laughs> you do, <laughs> so you don't really no know, and frankly, there isn't much known about. You know, there's a, there's there's much more that's not known about than known about this subject. Um, so those speculations that that sort of uh, visceral experience and those anecdotes, I think, are useful in in better making sense of. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, we we need to have more research on on pedophilia in general. What is your opinion of female uh, and women pedophiles? 
I think they're quite cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, it is true that uh, the ma- majority of pedophiles are male, um, but I have spoken to quite a few female pedophiles as well. And I don't know if it's just because of the stigma and they're not willing to talk about it as much as uh, as males, or it's truly something that's um, predominant, predominantly occurs in males. Um, but but yeah, so um, male pedophiles seem to be more common, but it does happen with females as well. It makes me wonder about... Uh you know, about this idea, again, of societal expectations and culture, because, you know, the, uh, by and large, the, the opinion, it seems, is that perpetrators of crime or, you know, offending uh, behavior, by and large, males anyway. And so it seems like, uh, you know, women are sort of, um, dare I say, have maybe a well, I don't know if that's fair at all to say they have an easier way of navigating. You know, the, I think the expectation is that they they can't uh, commit uh, crimes. You know, they, they're 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 seen as nurturing. Um, um, yeah, help help me uh, bring some clarity to this idea. Yeah, I think so. Um, so the stereotypical pedophiles are generally uh, male, and and you know fat old man with a trench coat uh, so um, it has a lot to do with uh, societal uh, attitudes and uh, um, opinions and uh, beliefs um, but uh, you know I have mentioned that most pedophiles discover their attractions uh around the age of 14 uh so that alone kind of disproves that stereotype can you share more on your opinion of um, popular perceptions and stereotypes and examples that you've seen in uh, in in popular media i'm thinking of characters like um you know the uh, herbert who's clearly a pedophile and family guy, if you're familiar, or uh, just, you know, a, a whole um, variety of, of characters and icons that so, sort of pop up every so often in TV shows and movies. Um, you know, what, what, what more can you say about the uh, stereotypical idea of, uh, of what a, a pedophile is or is not? I think it's, it's quite funny, actually. Um, uh i i don't find it offensive uh, or anything uh, i think it's uh, uh it can be done in a clever way um but uh one of the stereotypes i guess is that we have urges to have sexual contact with children and i think that's not the case at all um, for me, I have, I have no such urges. I have urges to eat, uh, to sleep, but uh, I have never been tempted to act sexually against a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it would be, um, it would take effort, and 
you know it's not some it's not something that uh happen just happens accidentally mm-hmm. uh it's usually planned mm. well i'm uh, i'm just so grateful to have um you know, shared this, um, this, you know, highly exclusive insight. Uh, I think, um, you know, the vast majority of time we're hearing from people in your position there, it's, you know, they're folks that have, uh, succumbed to those urges that have re you know, reacted instead of responded, uh, and that have been, you know, known to the justice system because of their misdeeds, um, so, you know, I think it's it's commendable and there's a level of courage uh, to be recognized here in, uh, in, in you, you know, bravely coming on and, and uh, sharing some of this insight, uh, as uncomfortable as it might be uh, for you and for folks uh, that have tuned in. So thank you for, for taking the time. I want to give you the last word, and I wonder if you can, um, you know, shed light on aside from the auto pedophile or perhaps hearing from a, f- a female pedophile, what, who you think I should be connecting with to, to have on this show or, um, you know, what, what it is that you look forward to in the future going forward. Oh, I think, uh, you're free to join map support club. If you, if you, uh, if you want to, uh, meet other pedophiles, uh, and look for, people who who are willing to uh, come on your podcast or you could also try uh, virtuous pedophiles and that's verped.org I think um, there are quite a few people there also who who would like to be on your podcast Yeah, or or just talk to you in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested in divergent perspectives, and um, you know, this is obviously a, an area that's highly divisive for folks. But I think there's uh, quite a bit that can be learned. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll perhaps we'll be in touch. Um, I'd be you know very interested in uh, in hearing any other resources for folks that you encourage you know who might be struggling i'm thinking also of uh, one that i've come across known as uh, what is it before you act um yeah before i just wanted to say that as well before you act is a, a wonderful uh resource describe and uh, they also have these uh uh workshops uh that they do uh and uh it's it's like a community event and a lot of maps and researchers come together and you know do stuff i don't know what happens <laughs> but uh it, it it's something that uh, fascinated me and uh, uh i would like to go there one day but uh unfortunately i can't right now mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's a resource that I've uh, heard of and people speak highly of. I think there's research that's going on and I think it's out of Germany, um, but um, but maybe I'm mistaken. Um, Before you act, I think it's in the U.S. Oh, is it? Okay. There's, yeah, there's a German thing called uh, Prevention Project Dunkelfeld. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's another one. I Yeah. Okay, good. It's another one. Yeah, well, these are, you know, this is important, I think, important work uh, that, uh, you know, folks have an outlet and a means to, you know, 
to think and and uh, you know become mindful before they act in a way that can they can hurt others. So um, this is about preventing crime uh, and and understanding it. Uh, and so I'm entirely grateful for you uh, taking the time and and um, and speaking with me. Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it.